0: Of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and hopshead. Cheers! Hey, what is up? Thank you so much for coming and spending time with me today on this episode of the podcast. This is a very excellent episode, and I'm stoked to get it to you. But first, I need to tell you about how you can potentially win an epic guitar rig. Oh yeah, we're not messing around with this one. So, if you have not gotten a chance to listen to the episode that premiered over the weekend, yeah, we debuted a bonus episode with a bunch of pedal builders over the weekend. Go check that out after you get done with this one. And you have missed the Instagram and other social media posts about it. Let's get you clued in on the details. Basically, we are giving away a guitar rig worth over $4,600 from guitar to amp. Custom pedal board, amazing pedals, cables, the whole works. All you have to do is go to PedalRaffle.com to check it out, and even better, this isn't just some random marketing gear giveaway, this goes to help people. So as many of you know, there have been a lot of wildfires in my area, which caused a lot of my friends and family to have to evacuate, and even my own household to be put on an evacuation notice, it was really freaky there for a while. In fact, the whole West Coast seemingly was on fire. It was really nuts. So once things settled down for me, I gathered a bunch of my friends from the gear community for this epic giveaway, and somebody is winning an amazing prize. So go to PedalRaffle.com to check out all the details, and just know that the beneficiaries of this are people who have been displaced or impacted, and the firefighters that are striving to keep us safe. So go to PedalRaffle.com to check that out. Please, please, please go check that out. It's in the show notes. Again, that address is PedalRaffle.com. Okay, with the house cleaning out of the way, please, please, please welcome my wonderful guest, Aisha from Low Sounds. I've been very excited to get you this one. I, I mean, we just hit it off. It was one of those ones where we were just straight vibing, as the kids say, or as some adults say, or as the internet says. Anyway, we were having a great time. Aisha is amazing. And we had a great conversation, so I won't get in the way of that anymore. Check it out. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Aisha Lowe from Low Sounds. What's going on?
1: Uh, nothing much. Just hanging out on a Saturday, uh, doing some, building some pedals, making some weird things today.
0: <laughs> oh, weird things. I love weird things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of obsessed with these like tape warbly type of sounds lately. So uh, kind oh, of yeah. working on something like that.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. That seems to be the sound that's been in my life a lot lately. I just, did a demo here last week or so of I put a new tape in my tape echo, and it's uh, it's still warbly. <laughs> so I'm yeah, guessing it's something that else that it's huh? not the tape. <laughs> yeah, which I mean I like it. I you know Andy Martin uh, he messaged me after he watched it and he was like you got to take it to this guy it'll, it'll smooth everything out and I'm like I don't know if I want it smoothed out. I'm not yeah. Sure that it's kind
1: of I... cool the way it is.
0: Yeah but at the same time his echoplex has been serviced by it's Brian Sowers of Sour Sound here in Portland and uh, he uh, his echoplex is the best sounding tape delay i've ever played so he might know a thing or two about it i would assume
1: nice i i have a space echo but i barely use it except for like recording
0: because mm-hmm.
1: i don't know how to work on it and that's you know that's what i hear unless you can find s- you know, a reliable person to work on them, you better just learn how to fix it. And so that's good information. <laughs> There's someone to send it to if anything goes wrong.
0: Yeah, so I guess before we like get off in too far into the weeds, the Echo Fix people in Australia, they have repaired all kinds of tape machines forever. And so they've actually developed new parts that they sell. And then Brian Sowers here in Portland, he he's well-known for doing amps, but he's been repairing a lot of tape echoes as well, using their parts. And yeah, so those are those are like the tape echo people from what I gather.
1: It's so cool so. that they did that, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of people out there who, like myself and you, who love the sound of it and know that there's nothing like it, you know?
0: It just feels so good. I, it,
1: it has It's really
0: good. Yeah, it's that it's that saturation and that grit. I I've played some pedals that do a really great job at emulating it, but there's something magical, and it might just be like in my head. But when you I, play like the real some thing, some kind
1: of. This is a really technical term, but it's got some extra little like oomph in there.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, just like I appreciate as, soon as, the technical pl- terms. as soon as you turn it on, it it doesn't do anything to your tone. That's like, hmm, this is cool, but that's not. Uh, you know, you turn it on and it only seems to enhance it somehow.
0: It's the tonal fairy dust. It has to yeah, be something along those lines. Well, let's get into your story. I don't know that much about you. I know we've followed each other on the interwebs uh, for quite a while now, it seems like. But I don't actually like know what you're all about. I know you make red petals, and that's what I know. So how about your musical backstory? When did you get started playing and what led you down the the path to making effects?
1: Uh, I was like one of those kids who at four years old was like, I'm going to be a musician forever. <laughs> and so as soon as I could like rent a clarinet, you know, I begged my parents and I just did the whole school band thing. And then like the years where I was in school growing up, metal was huge. So I started, I got a guitar, started taking guitar lessons and like, being probably the only girl playing metal at the time out there in Jersey and New York, except for like a white zombie at the time, I think. Um, but yeah, so things move on. And then uh, I've always played with my two brothers. My one brother's a drummer. The other one plays sitar and guitar sometimes. So I'm a bass player. And so for like a decade, them and our, our two other like brothers who we've known forever um, started this like nine person crazy orchestra band called Ghoul. And, uh, so I, I did that for like a decade. Like I was saying, it was amazing. And then I just kind of like got the itch to go out to California, went out to LA and, uh, it's still like my number one place. It's so weird to say that, but I, I just love it. And so I spent 10 years there just being totally, you know, playing gigs, I was in an electronic band with where the same members were also in a punk trio <laughs> simultaneously. Nice. So nice. we did this kind of experiment in LA you could do that and just like, you know, play more shows whatever and play different kind of music. So it was a great 10 years and then I uh, I got married and the person I married to Fiona who does the art on our pedals and stuff. She grew up in Berkeley, up in Norcal. So uh, we got a spot in Oakland, and we stayed there for about eight years. And uh, during that time, I think I was just, like, really missing L.A. and, like, how much collaboration with other musicians and just it's like a music town. Um, and so, you know, I tried to play with a few people, you know, you, you do the Craigslist, sad thing, whatever. And just kind of nothing came of it for years and years, and then I finally said, well... I'm kind of tired of recording. I record all the time. So I decided I'm going to learn how to uh, build guitar pedals because I love them so much. Um, And so I pretty much hunkered down during my time in Oakland and spent a few years just really like learning as much as I could online and um, getting help from some real nice folks on the forums and uh, eventually sort of like you know, it takes me a while to, to get all the the information, but it's like, I started to recognize pieces of things like, oh, this isn't that thing that really, I really like this circuit and yada yada. So you start to learn how to kind of like, you know, put the pieces together in ways that please your ear, I guess. It's the best way to say it. So anyways, uh, and then a couple years ago, my friend uh, one of my friends convinced me, even though I'm social media phobic usually, like, uh, you should just join Instagram and start posting your, uh, your builds up there. So, uh, yeah, I said, all right, all right. It is really, it's kind of fun taking pictures of them and that sort of thing. So I finally joined and the response was uh, just really amazing from folks, um, just being so sweet and kind and getting amazing compliments. We So now I'm, you know, now I'm a total pro Instagram person because I've met <laughs> so many nice people. You know, it's just been nothing but joy so far. And that's Instagram, me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. I like that. I like that. That, that, that gives me a lot of things to, to shoot off of. But Instagram is a, a weird anomaly in the social media space, at least for like music stuff. I was just talking about this last night uh with a listener uh hey justin how you doing you'll you'll remember this conversation uh he i've been really focusing on youtube this month because i should have been doing that years ago so i like have all this stuff and i have the you know ability to m- make demos and stuff and i just have never really done it and it seems kind of dumb like i'll post things on instagram who like we want to hear it and i'm like yeah, that is kind of the point of it, right? Like, it's a music-making <laughs> device. It it's should nice be to have,
1: It's nice to have more than a minute or, you know, 15 seconds or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the IGTV stuff was great, too. But, you know, they're, you're just kind of limited on your discoverability to some degree. And, you know, YouTube is is the huge behemoth that it is. And so I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to do YouTube. And it's- I, I – I, uh, what did I do? I – Miss, well, I I unboxed this Squire, and I wrote Squire incorrectly. Well, I wrote it correctly, but not how Fender spells it. And this gentleman informed me that you're going to get ate alive by the Squire folks if you don't spell that with the E before the R (laughs) the way Fender does. And I was like, really? People care? And then I got to talking to him, and I'm like, YouTube is just much more vicious than Instagram. I was like, oh, that's true. Totally. Totally. I don't you know if feel somewhat it's more ins-
1: yeah. You feel mo- s- somewhat more insulated. I feel like for some reason on Instagram, yeah. YouTube just attracts the trolls. It's true. It's just because it's huge. I think, you know, huge. it's like the easiest somewhat. thing to do for the cowards and jerks out there. Yeah.
0: It's somewhat <laughs> more, less anonymous because you like you don't. I don't know, not really, but it feels more anonymous. I guess I said less, but I meant more. Uh, yeah it's it's probably like
1: far it's probably like just as bad you know I'm I'm watching all these like movies and shows about data mining lately and it's just like well I guess they just own everything
0: are you talking about the one that's on Netflix I just forgot the name of it oh what's Um, it called
1: Uh, I'm terrible with names was social something
0: yes the social experiment no that isn't right I don't remember. It's like you can't miss it, it if you
1: go to Netflix though It's like the first banner or whatever
0: I wonder if it's just going to tell me what I already know Because I yeah, like well, to pay that's attention to thought. this stuff Yeah, yeah.
1: Watch, watch it It's where the watch is done well But like it just kind of confirmed what I already know. And it's like, well We can either freak out about it or use it for our own, you know Good, making art, music, whatever
0: Yeah That's kind of the way I look at it. It's like that if we had known what we were signing up for, you know, with like these terms and conditions, it's not because we didn't read them. And I mean, I nobody does read them, but like it's even if you did, you'll see a little section in there in all of them that says we can change this whenever we want and we don't have to notify you. So it's like, well, it doesn't even really matter what you're agreeing to if that clause is in there. So, yeah,
1: they own you. It's just it. Yeah.
0: I wonder, I wonder if that, that, as that becomes more and more common knowledge, I wonder if that's going to change the way people view these platforms. I'm not sure.
1: I'm kind of hoping that some of the developer people will, like, develop, like, a consciousness around it and, you know, make it, try to think of ways to make it, I guess, a little more ethical towards people's privacy. Seems like a really huge task
0: (laughs) at this (laughs) point. Uh, yeah. The tipping point for me when I knew something was up, and I you know, I should have known before this, but this was probably three or four years ago when Mark Zuckerberg was photographed in front of his computer and he had tape over the 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 camera on his laptop. I
1: uh-huh. was like,
0: Zuck has tape over his camera. That guy knows more about this stuff than any of us, and he has tape over his camera. What does that tell you? <laughs>
1: yeah well uh you know according to that film none of their kids are allowed to have screens so that's another like okay so you create this stuff and you you know perpetrate it or whatever but your own kids you won't allow them on this you know
0: very interesting yeah hmm things that make you go hmm
1: exactly (laughs) (laughs) cnc music factory very nice Yes (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> I wondered. <laughs> nobody ever picks up on that. Oh. very nice.
1: Oh, me and my bandmate Scott are like the one-hit wonder. Uh, you know, you can just we can pick up on any one of them from the '80s on up. I guess many That's a road amazing. trip.
0: <laughs> Do you have any suggestions, like a one-hit wonder that nobody really talks about? Like everyone knows Rick Astley, but some yeah, somebody else. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's got—he's actually got like like hits. He's like Ace of Base-ish, you know, his his level, whatever. That's Uh, true. Let's see a one-hit wonder that is. Oh, there's a Paul McCartney. No, it's not a hit though. That's the thing. It's not just one-hit wonders that we would go through. It's just like oh, this one song that was good of this band that had all this other stuff we didn't like. I don't know. I'm at I'm at a loss right now because there's just so I put many. You on the spot. It's hard I'm sorry. to it's hard to pick one. There's just so many of them.
0: What out was there. the Paul McCartney one you were thinking of?
1: Well, it's a it's actually not a hit. It's kind of like one that people might not know about, but uh, it's called Arrow Through Me. I think it was when he was in Wings, but it's just got this insane groove to it, and uh, I realized, oh yeah, I know this song but it was because Erica Badu had sampled it and made it famous. So then when oh. I heard the original, I was like, wait a minute, this song's amazing, you know? So that's my little one nugget I got is that song. There's this piano part in the beginning that's nuts and it's just groovy and good. And you know, he's a Beatle. Come on. You have right. to I, you I have mean, to like yeah. Paul McCartney in my book.
0: <laughs> I, I agree. I've, it's kind of weird to, like, he comes up on the show, you know, fairly frequently. I mean, he's, he is Paul McCartney, after yeah. all. But I I interviewed a guy who actually got to work with him for a day. And I didn't know that, like, going into the interview. His name is J.D. Simo, and uh, he talked about working with Paul. And it was just like, whoa, this is trippy to, like, hear about somebody that's actually, like, worked around him. It's really, it's really what kind an of oppor-
1: like... What an opportunity. Wow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And then another guy, uh, Bob from Best Coast, he, you know, it, this is less like less of a thing, but he was like, yeah, I just was walking down the hall and there was Paul McCartney in the studio and he said hi. And we walked by. I'm like, you actually saw him in just normal person? <laughs> yeah, my knees would have kind of gone
1: out a little, you know, your knees get a little weak. Like, was that just what? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: But like I have to remind myself that's the one thing that or not well there's lots of things but one of the main things that's came from doing this show is I've gotten to meet some people that I really admire musically and it's like they're just dudes they're just people they're just hanging out eating you know crackers and <laughs> like like totally. normal people weird it's yeah. like they're normal people Paul McCartney's well, just a dude n- n- but he's normal, also Paul McCartney
1: normal to us music freak people
0: that's true that's true we are weird
1: yeah i mean my my wife and i fiona and i are into like such different things we kind of like intersect on art and music and it's just like really funny you know because we'll uh have such coming from such different places when it comes to that she's like i don't i don't understand why you freak out about this music this uh pedal drop or this or that it's like (laughs) <laughs> hey you know i just get excited i don't know why
0: what was the first pedal that got you really excited
1: um well the first one i ever bought was a bass wah. i'm a bass player um who was a guitar player first i took guitar lessons for a few years and then i started seeing somebody who was a guitarist and He would jam with this drummer who was really good all the time. They said, hey, could you play bass just so we can write? And like pretty much the first or second time I did it, I was like, I don't I think I want to do this. And so, uh, you know, just kind of came at it from that side. Um, So I think, you know, the bass wah, I still use it to this day. I've, I have the same seven pedals on my board. I've I've got hundreds and I cycle them through. When I'm recording, I use a lot of different pedals. I don't have like a pedal board when I record. So I just, I'm going to have 20 of them on the floor here, hooked up to my Ableton live,
0: <laughs> doing right, my right.
1: sample recording and whatnot. But as far as like when I play with the guys, my board always has the same seven pedals for like 25 years now. And so something's good with those pedals. You know what I mean? So the one pedal, like if I couldn't have the whole board, would be Electro Harmonix Deluxe Memory Man.
0: Oh, yeah. Good so you could choice. do a
1: lot with that thing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And talk
1: about when you plug it in, it just has the ambience. It's like I just prefer my bass through it even when it's off than with, without it.
0: Yeah, there's something really magical about that circuit, even... Behringer, they did a clone, I don't know how long ago it was, a long time ago, maybe even like 10 years ago, called mm-hmm. the Vintage Time Machine. Oh, yeah. And people, people play it and they they freak out. They're like, I can't believe how good this pedal is. I'm like, it's because it's a direct rip of a memory, man. Of yeah. course it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like- <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I buy behringer pedals like cheapy ones when i can find them so i can try out all these crazy mods so i don't mess up my like real deals before i know yeah. if it works or not
0: of course of course that's a good move i didn't really think about that that's they're perfect for that maybe you mess it up it's like okay well
1: yeah it was 20 bucks or whatever and then you know i try not to be wasteful i'll like at least reuse parts of it but you know yeah it's not as much. Yeah, a, it's not as much of a loss as if it was your original Memory Man.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, I I'm kind of weird with electronics in general. I I my microwave went out here the other day, and I decided I'm like I I you know I Googled and found some things that was like it's probably this, and so I was like I'm gonna fix it,
1: oh and gosh.
0: it didn't it didn't end up being that so. I mean, microwaves are cheap, but it was interesting looking at the guts of it and going, I'm like, oh, this is all like, first of all, through my, this is how dorky I am. Through my like investigations, I realized that almost all microwaves are basically the same outside of like really expensive ones that have extra programmability or whatever. Like your regular microwave, like they're, they're like the one I bought to replace mine literally just has a different looking control panel. No, yeah. no, the case is even the same. Oh no, it's way. literally just literally just the control panel. <laughs> I actually the dishes like the little glass dish and everything fit in the they they are swappable. So we like kept the old dish just in case it hey, breaks. You know, anyway, that's
1: it, that's somewhat eco-friendly, I guess. Maintaining yeah. <laughs> a sizing standard. Or, you know. I don't
0: know. Well, what is what I found most interesting about it is when I took the control panel off to get to the little micro switches, is the board was all through hole. I oh, kind of expected awesome. it to be, yeah, I totally expected it to be SMD and it was all through hole. Granted, this is like wow. a 10 year old microwave, so maybe they've changed, but I don't know. I'm not going to oh, take now apart you my got, new one.
1: <laughs> now I'm going to start taking those apart because, you know, I go to all these salvage places and I just take stuff apart and uh-huh. uh, I never take apart microwaves. But if you're telling me there's some through hole, then who knows, I might find something yummy in there. Well, hopefully not some I mean, old food, but...
0: <laughs> some... yeah. Ooh, yummy.
1: Yum. This is crusty.
0: Mmm. Vintage. It's vintage food. <laughs> vintage
1: microwavable mean. food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is a Hungry Man dinner from 1993. Oh, oh my gosh.
1: I was telling my niece and nephew last night at dinner, I said... Our mom cooked all the time, right? So we used to beg for those, like, TV dinner things because they, I don't know, you know, the other kids ate them. but so that was really right. just because their moms were, like, too lazy to make them dinner. <laughs> oh, no. But we used to beg for those hungry man's. We liked that nasty Salisbury steak one, you know. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'd definitely eating those. Oh.
0: oh, man. Harsh. <laughs> That's... I know the feeling though because my mom always made my food too and I I mean I love love that part of my childhood. <laughs> it, oh, it was yeah. very it was so delicious. But I did like get really excited the you know once every couple months when she would buy like junk food, a lun- Lunchables or something and I'd yeah. be like I get Lunchables. Oh yes, and now, in retrospect it's like but she made you these glorious sandwiches. That, I know, like, I know. You could charge like $8 for uh, a deli or something. Uh, It's weird. My little brother was
1: smart because he would trade his. Because the kids would always be like, oh, you have a real egg salad sandwich. So he would trade for the Lunchables.
0: It's a bad sign uh, when you are in school and you get super excited that the hot lunch is a Taco Bell bean burrito yeah. Oh, like, it's Taco Bell. Mm, we're so like the, excited. It's, that's
1: the ultimate tour fuel, too. Like if you're just like super broke. You can get a bag full of those things for like five bucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm trying to remember who it was. Somebody I interviewed on this show, their band or a fr- one of their friends' bands, something. They actually got sponsored by Taco Bell.
1: That's so amazing. So they can
0: just for free the whole tour. I'm like, well, that's actually kind of great because uh, there's always a taco bell and, and that's open worth for at
1: a- least 50 bucks
0: <laughs> that's right <laughs> if you ate, <laughs> if you just
1: ate your heart out the whole tour you might rack up a hundo
0: <laughs> it's amazing how cheap it is it's also i know it makes
1: you wonder i was gonna say like what is in that really
0: Silent promises and secrets
1: people. And delicious powder, whatever <laughs>
0: <laughs> powdered something or other from the it's powdered of, deliciousness.
1: Who knows? It's like it's like our version of MSG, whatever that thing is that makes all subways taste the same, all subway sandwiches, and all McDonald's French fries. Whatever the flavor juice is,
0: they use. <laughs> it's it's American, American that's America. flavor juice. Yeah, <laughs> that's America, baby. That's we got we flavor
1: enhancers. <laughs>
0: We have no idea what the repercussions of them are, but we have them and they're glorious and everybody else wants them
1: once in a while, you you know.
0: Yeah, I get it. I had Wendy's for the first time in forever yesterday just because Uh. it was national national cheeseburger day and my son really wanted chicken nuggets and they were giving away chicken nuggets if you got a cheeseburger.
1: Nice. You're so so. <laughs> so you dove in.
0: <laughs> I, I went for it. Yeah. They have a uh they've re-released their pretzel what is it? I I can't remember what it's called now. They're like pub pretzel burger or whatever. And I gotta say, oh it's been God. a long time since I've been to Wendy's. Underrated They're, fast food. It's yeah, pretty so they were solid. always
1: like one of the better ones, I feel like. Like maybe mm-hmm. their ingredients are a little better. The chicken sandwich was really delicious from what I remember. I haven't had one in ages, but the other night I was so tired coming home from rehearsing. I drive an hour and a half. uh, That's the distance between me and my one brother and then the other four people. And so we drive down to Jersey to play and I'm driving home and I'm just starving, you know. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I Almost like hit the Arby's. You ever have one of those roast beef sandwiches at Arby's? Oh yeah.
0: That, that yeah, is like a like...
1: perfectly flavored food. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever that thing actually is, it's just so delicious. And it and I, I had you know, my brother to shame me. He's like, don't do it, because then he'd do it too. You know, right?
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Like, I normally try to eat pretty good. I talk about nothing but, like, food that isn't good for you on the podcast. So people think I just eat pizza <laughs> all the time. But, like, I do try to eat pretty good most of the time. Uh, and I like really good food. But oh, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you got to give in a little. And get yourself that Big Mac once in a while. You oh,
1: yeah. Do it. I do it. I have to do it kind of secretly because my family will shame me. Well, yeah, exactly. You can't tell anybody. Everyone's pretty healthy. We eat really healthy. We live on this like basically little tiny farm here in New Paltz. We have chickens and like crops and stuff. It's amazing coming from Oakland. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing coming from Oakland. It's like it's such. We just did a one eighty, you know, like just such a different kind of life. But it's been really amazing to just not be on guard all the time. You live in the city, Mm -hmm. you know, you got this crackhead over here and you got this over there and you're always dealing with something. And out here you can kind of just be, you know, uh, just to be able to sit out in the yard and just not get bothered by anybody (laughs) and sit on the grass. You know, I haven't haven't been able to do that in a lot, a lot of years. And it's, it's sweet. Good to be, I'm living with my brother and his family. It's amazing. We're playing music again and... Uh, yeah. not letting the whole COVID thing, like turn our music to a grinding halt, if we can help it, you know, we're safe about it, but we all feel like it's really important. And now we're going back to like the real reasons why you play in the first place. It's not to like get rich or famous. It's just because you love playing music, you mm-hmm. know? So whether you're playing shows or recording or just doing it for the simple love of it, we you know, we all feel like we got to do it. And it feels great to do. Um, people got to keep playing music.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's a weird thing to think about, right? Because how yeah. much some of us just need that outlet and need that in our lives, like that desire and that need to fill the space with sound. I don't know what it is that drives a person to that. But, like, I, I was not happy, like, at like a pretty good job. I'm not going to lie. Like I was, I was in a position where I had tried to get for years thinking that it was going to make me happier in my day to day. and it, it it didn't. That's when I started doing this and like talking to more musicians and just getting heavy, you know, heavier and heavier involved into the music world. That's what made me really happy is to be working on that stuff. So now I'm working more than ever. And you know, Weirdly making a lot less money, but (laughs) I'm way happier. So it's fine.
1: We're finding that too. Like I was saying at the beginning of our conversation, you just just have to have a lot of hustles nowadays. Um, We all got to roll with it as best we can considering the circumstances, but doing the music stuff is just going to help keep you, you know, I think motivated for life in general. It's just, Mm -hmm. it gives, gives you back a lot. And, uh, Anyone who dives in and, you know, tries it, I'm always a big proponent with kit, the kids and their friends. Like my niece and nephew play several instruments and, you know, always encouraging them. Um, and it's really cool to see it light them up, you know, the way it lights you up. Um, to be able to share that with as many people as you can is, is a true gift, and we have a gift um, that we can do it, you know, I think a oh, lot yeah. more, I think a lot more people could honestly do it if they try too. it is a gift, but I think a lot of people have the gift.
0: I think so. But I, I also think that to be able to do it at a level that we're to have the drive to do it is actually, I think that maybe the gift more so than the talent itself sometimes, because I'm not naturally talented at all. Like at all, I had to work really hard to get semi-proficient at the, the guitar and, you know, that's questionable. But it's having that drive to try to do it, I think might be the actual gift. I'm not I think sure. you're
1: right that like whatever it is that makes you be able to go and practice for four, five hours a day, every day and look forward to it and not dread it, you know,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um
1: especially you know hanging out with the kids it's like sometimes it's hard to get them to practice you know but uh when there's that drive there you know really that's I get what you're saying it's it's just so important to have that to get to that level of where you you know I feel like there's it's like the two-year mark or something when I was taking lessons you're just learning all these scales and chords and stuff and songs and then like that first jam with people I think that's that's what does it too you realize like wow okay I worked really hard and now I can actually do this with people Mm -hmm. and it propels you to like want to keep getting better it's like what the yoga people say deepening their practice you know that's what that's what we're doing (laughs)
0: that's right (laughs) that makes sense yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Daniel Donato. He's a guitar player in Nashville, uh, younger dude, but just absolute shredder. Uh, he he was on the show and he he made me feel weirdly like a lot better about my, you know, level, I guess, because, you know, you look at somebody like him and everyone's like, this guy is just such a killer player. Like he's just unbelievably talented. And he is unbelievably talented. He has a natural ability. But he told me, like, also, I also practice for 10 to 14 hours a day for years. Wow. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, I've never done that. I'm probably never yeah. going to do that. So, that makes me feel better to know that, like, even though he is naturally talented, if I put in that kind of time, I'd be a lot better. Like, it's, it's un, like, there's no way that you wouldn't be better if you spent 14 hours a day playing guitar. You would be.
1: Which is exactly why... The drive is the gift.
0: <laughs> yes. He's <laughs> got more of it than I do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, too, though, with, the, I don't know about you, but with music now, it's like, there's, uh, you can do blog, you can do vlog, you can do Instagram. There's all these extra ways to express yourself musically. Um, and so it's, it, I don't know about for you, but for me, it's like, I have a hard time dividing time between playing music, practicing, building pedals, breadboarding uh, stuff, you know, um, I don't know, all the different aspects of music, listening to podcasts, (laughs) you know, watching music biopics. So it's just this uh, all encompassing world to me. But in order to to shred like that, yeah, I mean, you you got to put in those crazy uh, dozen hour days, you know. The metal years were all about that. I remember (laughs) my brother... And my, you know, my partner at the time would do that Steve Vai seven hour guitar workout. Oh boy! Like this wow. thing he, I think he published it in one of the magazines back in the day. And so these two would just for, for weeks, just trying to do the the back and forth on that thing. <laughs> it takes a lot of practice. To play Steve Vai.
0: Oh yes, yeah, he's unreal. He's unreal. I'd love to talk to him someday. I wonder right? what kind of nuggets he would drop.
1: Yeah, I hear he's a super nice guy, too. Um,
0: that's what I've heard. Everybody I know that's met him has said he was awesome to talk to, so mm-hmm. I'm fingers crossed that one day I might get to. That would be that'd be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, yeah. Amazing.
0: So tell me about your pedals. What's the first pedal that you came out with that was like available for people to to pick up?
1: Well, initially, I just started posting stuff I was building for myself, and uh, a lot, of, you know, a lot of folks would say, "Hey, can I buy that?" And then, you know, I'm kind of a hoarder, so I'm like, "Well, I'm keeping this one, but I can make another one," you know. And so I started right. to notice, okay, well, there's this one particular one that people keep asking me to make for them, and whatever, like physical incarnation it ends up being because all our pedals end up being different so we try to approach them as you know visually uh as you know uh as stunning as the sound right so we're just trying to make every person get something kind of unique and so i noticed that people love fuzz and yeah, people love, uh, at least at the time when I was starting a few years ago, the super fuzz was kind of like the thing. And for me, it was very, yeah, I love that uh, the Beastie Boys and that song Gratitude, you know, MCA used that super fuzz. And so I said, I got to build that, you know, and it ended up I t- doing a lot of tweaks to it, you know, reading stuff. Uh, trying things that would make it uh, kind of equally work well for bass and guitar, because I switch myself, and I thought it would be really cool to have one that, you know, had the ability to be voiced for the guitar or the bass kind of deal. So I ended up making um, several of those, and now um, we got one of those Big Cartel things. Uh, We're low goods on Big Cartel. And we just put up our first, let's, I guess you could say uh, the super fuzz. We put up about 10 of those yesterday, another 10 coming. And then we have this other one uh, that's kind of like our version of a muff. And we put up, they're all hand-painted by Fiona. So we put up a bunch of those as well. So it's kind of like the opposite of the super fuzz. It's more of the like creamy texture type fuzz It has germanium transistors in it that i dumpster dive myself to find for you folks who buy my pedals <laughs> well, I, I salvage electronics <laughs> and uh you know i go through so much stuff and uh, pull out the little gems and you know hand measure them and test out a whole bunch of different combinations and uh so that's that's what what i've been doing Since we got here, we moved from Oakland to New Paltz about uh, three months ago, and I've just been building those two fuzzes, and we make these Atari fuzzes out of Atari joysticks that are busted that I, you know, get in thrift stores or in the garbage and stuff, so I just have amassed a quantity of them. (laughs) And I make, like, a Velcro-y base fuzz In those, I put different circuits in them all the time. I think it's fun. It would be so. I'm gonna work on having a board of all Atari fuzzes with all different circuits in each one. (laughs) Yeah, just have like seven of them stacked fuzzes with all different circuits inside each one. Um, yeah. So, um, working on a modulation effect at the moment. That's gonna all. They're all gonna be built into salvaged uh, these like beige Radio Shack. intercom containers. Um, I don't know, I found one, like I said, in the garbage one time and I built a pedal into it and I said, oh my gosh, not only is this thing kind of the perfect size for a pedal, but it looks really dope and um, you can put a lot of circuit in there. It's a decent size on the inside. And so now I'm like hooked on all these old, um, you know, like Radio Shack 80s type looking stuff. And uh, I, love you that. know,
0: I love that stuff so much. I love seeing that. That I have a, just... a Game Boy fuzz that somebody made. It. It's uh, oh, those it's are so amazing.
1: Good. Yeah, yeah I'm, that's uh, so I'll, cool. I'm
0: blanking on it. Come on, name of company. Come to my brain. Uh, Ray Gun effects over across the
1: pond. Oh, that's right. That's right. They didn't. They sell out in like a second.
0: Yeah, they sold out the first run like super fast and I got in on a second run. This was like two or three years ago and I think they have an updated version now, but they always like sell out like immediately because I mean everybody's you know, wishes it was still the 80s and the 90s. Yes. <laughs> which Me I understand. too.
1: Oh, the so glory I, days. I know. I always am listening to my like 90s music and my 80s music. And the kids are just like you know, these kids, they're into, like, Billie Eilish and that kind of thing. So I, I, I've just got the dad rock going in their eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm all over the place. I don't, I don't even know what category I fall in anymore. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is total dad rock. And then I'm like, and now for this noise glitch, weird, abrasive screaming thing. And I don't know. I can't make up my mind anymore. I don't know where I am in life. Lost. Well,
1: it's it's kind of awesome that we live in a time when we don't have to, because you can just put any old song, you can find any old song sequentially, you know, one after another on the internet. Yep. Although there's something about, I prefer the sound quality of listening to records and tapes and stuff, but it is nice to be able to have, you know, stuff like YouTube or Spotify. You could literally be like, remember that one song, like the the one hit wonder thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to be able to just have a gold mine of music to access sequentially in any weird order you want.
0: I do really like vinyl, and I, I'm a bit of a vinyl junkie, not as much as some people, but I do quite enjoy going to the record store and flipping through and seeing what they have. And you know, and then, like artists I really like, I if they put it out on vinyl, I'll definitely go out of my way to get that copy. But, um, yeah, it is nice for discoverability just to be able to like find new things. And you know, as much as we complain about algorithms, I've found that the Spotify one is pretty solid. I found some cool new stuff through there that I may not have found otherwise. So it's, it does a good job once it, once you've been listening on it for a while. It, it, it knows can, us
1: alarmingly well. It does.
0: It's, it's kind of <laughs> creepy. <laughs> I prefer to listen on Apple Music because I know it pays like marginally better than Spotify and I do pay for Apple Music. But sometimes I got to, you know, just to stay abreast of what things, you know, what's going on because Spotify is such a huge platform. And obviously this podcast is on Spotify and amongst other places. So I just kind of need to go on there and explore to know what it's doing because, you know, it's part of my job. So yeah I do I do get on there, but I'm I'm definitely more of an Apple music person. But I do like to double dip. I'll stream my favorite artists and then I'll also like make sure and grab their vinyls. That's kind of my, well, yeah, my mood. Yeah.
1: You gotta make sure you're gonna listen to it en- enough times and then it's like, okay, I got I'm gonna get this on vinyl. At least for me. I can't afford to buy as much vinyl like uh, some of my friends have and it's like rooms full of it. I'm like, dude. I, I know you. You must have some kind of side hustle. Where are you getting these records
0: from? <laughs> or some people, that's just all they do. That's that. You know, I. Yeah. that's not... I have too many collector tendencies, so I can only focus yeah, on, like, I hear you. guitar stuff and vinyl records. And that I have to stay there or I'll go crazy. And it won't I be feel good you. for anybody.
1: That's why I can't do the, the record collecting, because I collect parts. And that's, like, my, you know... My hoarding thing, parts and music what, gear.
0: What's your method with the parts? Like you, you just you see a dumpster and you're like, I'm gonna go and look in that dumpster. <laughs> do you like have no. have a like a set of rounds that you make or something.
1: Not like so literally. I mean, there are some places where you can find stuff. Like uh, when I lived in LA, it was pretty cool because the guitar center on the strip, the garbage can was always full of gear, so you oh, could find wow. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that number one. So that's when I started realizing, especially in L.A., you know, dumpster diving at these like electronics places, this place um, in Burbank and you can find stuff in there. And, um, you know, simultaneously, I do these like environmental jobs. I do, you know, salvaging and stuff. So it kind of start started from there. But what it really was is that I really like old pedals, analog stuff and whatnot. And I'm noticing, like, these parts are so expensive if you, fu- if you can find them. And then a yeah. lot of times you spend all that money and then you measure them and they're just not going to work out. They're not, you know, in spec. Um, and so I started reading a bunch of stuff online. Like I said, and you can just tear open old stuff. You look for certain period things that you you can say okay well that era of parts is going to be great for that old circuit i want to build yada yada and uh so i started working for this eco park and they would literally go to the dump every day and there'd be four of us that would just go and pick things that didn't look like trash out of the like landfill before the bulldozers come and like just put it into landfill truck um And it's just amazing the stuff you find because what happens is people pass away and sometimes their kids or whoever's dealing with it, they just don't want to deal with it. So they literally just put it in the garbage and it's amazing things. A lot of the time, a lot of the times it's garbage, but, um, we found a 62 P base, like parts of a 62 P base at the dump Whoa. And my friend spent a thousand bucks getting it fixed up, but it's like amazing, <laughs> amazing base. And, um, you know, so what I, I look for like projectors, old stuff. And like, in terms of my enclosures, I like stuff from the eighties, the look of it. So I look for, um, answering machines and like, I don't know, uh, dialysis machines, like medical equipment and things like that. And I like to build old. Older type circuits in there. But um, I just have like a library of all the stuff that I've pulled out of the garbage, like cleaned up, measured. And uh, it's interesting because Fiona's now at the point where she's like, you're never going to use all this. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I and she's like, she's like, so stuff.
1: she's so right in a way. I wish you could see because it's literally Now it's in our our bedroom. All my little component drawer cases. Like, is that OCD that I just like spend hours measuring and organizing parts? (laughs) Maybe she's trying to do an intervention now that I think about it. It sounds fine to
0: me. I don't don't know what the, I don't see any issues here. Because it's a lot.
1: It's a lot. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, that's cool. Pretty soon I'll just have to send little care packages to my builder friends. So I can't show up with any more new old stuff unless I get rid of some of the old old parts.
0: That's what I was gonna say. You just have to start building like crazy and then pretty soon you'll clear out your stock. Yeah. And you'll you'll need more. It's it's a great cycle you found yourself in.
1: Yeah, it's true. I have to say there's only a couple of things that I generally have to buy new because I've just found so much, you know, stuff that I need. Um, so that is true, but I think I do have more than I personally, my two little hands could use. (laughs) So I'm thinking about in the future, trying to come up with a little trading post for people who build, um, sound boxes, pedals, synths, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be super fun (laughs) to be able to like, you know, keep these things from going into the garbage and They're really good parts, have them get used. And uh, so that's sort of like a little future dream I have, like, hmm, the wheels are just starting to turn, but I think it would be cool.
0: It would be a lot of work, but it sounds like the kind of work you would enjoy doing anyway. So
1: I think, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head right there. I started to realize I think it's my Zen thing is organizing and this kind of thing. And so, wouldn't it be nice to be able to get these old parts that have an exact reading for it before you buy? I know it?
0: there are builders that would that would go for that, especially yeah. if they don't have to. I mean, they're going to because every, like yeah, half the people in there are OCD. They're gonna they're gonna measure it themselves, but like uh, knowing but it that just, it's it, probably it, it gonna be this... right.
1: Exactly. It's like whenever you buy anything from Small Bear Electronics, you know that thing when you measure, it's going to be like dead on for what you need it for. And that brings you this like joy as a pedal nerd builder Mm -hmm. person. (laughs) Well,
0: because it's so frustrating to get a bunch of stuff and throw some of it away because or do something. with it. It's like, oh, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Like, yeah, it's, it's so and you have to
1: you have to measure just like hundreds of them, you know, and sort through. And like you said, the ones that are just unusable, we're starting to try and come up with ways to like incorporate them into the art on the on the things we build. Like oh, nice. my niece, my niece has been painting petals. She's like really sick artist. And so she came up with the idea. I have these old, awesome Russian transistors that look so cool, but they're, like, totally dead. I think they got, like, microwaved or something because they're done done for. So she cut the legs off of them and started gluing them on the top of the pedal. It looks like a UFO, and she made a little space scene out of it. I was like, this is genius.
0: That sounds awesome.
1: (laughs) So, you know, it's like we're just – we're, like, really – environmentally friendly family like i said i work in salvage and uh so we're always trying to find ways to um reuse and recycle all the stuff that we find that's good so this trading post idea is definitely on my mind get it circulating a little bit maybe
0: people would definitely be into it i i know so many builders and there are a lot of them that would be into this even if it was like for like small batch like short run oh yeah you know, just like that one stuff.
1: crazy thing you've never seen before you know like we all have our little stash of these like parts that like it's like what is that <laughs> you know <laughs> like your little uh t- your talismans or whatever but right. uh, <laughs> yeah everyone has their little lusty things you know like for me it's certain delay chips and for other people it's like transistors so, you know, it's kind of fun. You know what? Trading is so much fun. Whether you're trading gear or parts or whatever, I've gotten to know so many awesome people like trading through Instagram, like trading pedals, um, art. Uh, it's just been really cool. Trading is fun, so it would be really exciting to be able to do that with not only gear but parts.
0: I mean, it's kind of the basis for for all things commerce is trading. We've just oh, yeah. decided that, that over time that these pieces of paper, or these digital pieces of paper are the preferred currency. But back in the day, before we had all that stuff, it was like, how many chickens can I get for this? You know, you know that, that was the whole thing. That's, all, that's what we've it, done as humans.
1: Chickens are so much more quantifiable than a piece of paper.
0: like this chicken's going to lay x amount of eggs and now
1: now it's not even a piece of paper it's like click you just paid 700 to so-and-so it's like did that was that money ever real you know
0: it's a weird feeling clicking it around I i i remember thinking that as a kid like when things were slightly they were starting to become more digital even with checks i was like but the the bank says that it's there. But if this bank was yeah. just deleted, it wouldn't be there right. anymore. <laughs> it's exactly. not
1: there. That's why you got to have the shoebox of cash under your bed.
0: That's not right. that I
1: have that. Don't come here and steal my shoebox of cash because it doesn't exist. <laughs> but I definitely was like a doomsdayer in my late 20s for a minute. I got really like after 9-11, I just got like all paranoid and like, wouldn't use the bank account and stuff like that. And, uh, it's interesting. Cause that's how I felt, you know, at the beginning of this electronic banking thing, I was like, I don't trust it. It could get deleted. It could get hacked. You know, like there's just a million things you, you could think of. And now it's just like, I go places and people don't take cash, especially because of COVID they're like, just put your card in the thing. No cash. Don't touch right. it. You know, I'm like, okay. What do I do with all this cash that I just took out to pay you with? <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I, I've kind of switched gears. I was sort of like you, not quite to that extreme, but I was like, you know, I kept like some stuff on hand in case I had to get out. Uh, yeah. And then with all the fires recently, I mm. have kind of put gotten back into that mindset a little bit because i did have to load my vehicles we didn't end up having to leave fortunately but we got to load your stuff you were you might have to leave status Uh, and i was like uh, i was like whoo. and i was thinking to myself like i got the jump on it a little bit because i was paying really close attention um and i was able to get to the store and get some you know cans of nonsense uh, <laughs> to eat dog Should we food find our... don't eat it yeah <laughs> don't eat it oh oh don't oh okay you could eat it. like
1: nuts and berries in the woods don't eat dog food don't ever okay. let it come to that that's how it well, was in the beginning of covid that's the only thing that was on the shelves when i would go shopping it was like canned you know dog food and and like that one bag of rice
0: it was really weird i again like with the covid thing i got the jump on it a little bit. Cause I'm just like, well, I'm going to go get a bunch of stuff. And okay. Of course, except for toilet paper, I didn't see that coming. Uh, uh... but, <laughs> but, uh, I was like, I'm going to go get, you know, a bunch of frozen stuff and a bunch of just in case I was even thinking to myself, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but just in case, and that's kind of how I felt with this fire stuff. I'm like, we're probably not going to have to leave, but I need to get a bunch of stuff. And, have a case of water on hand and all that jazz. And so I'm kind of switching back into like, you know what? You're not quite prepped up enough. And most people aren't quite prepped up enough. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to have like hordes of ammo or something, but you should have like (laughs) a case of water and some beans, (laughs) you know? Like, yeah, it's it's not hard to do.
1: Absolutely. And like, you know, Instead of filling up the freezer, remember that if the electricity goes out, that's going to all go bad. So we've been, like, stockpiling huge bags of rice and beans and stuff, just like you, just in case. But, of course, like, this summer, the bugs are insane here. Which uh, And so, like, this huge bag of rice got worms in it, and we were like, oh, this is... (laughs)
0: this is this what we get
1: for hoarding food <laughs>
0: like. right it's hard to gauge how much you need to have on hand but you're in a pretty good setup yeah. with having some chickens and growing some stuff already that's that's yeah, better yeah. than most people
1: it's just in the winter uh they don't lay and you know the gar the uh the little vegetable farm there probably won't be much going on all winter but we definitely have been like fire roasting amazing amount of tomatoes and jarring it and that kind of thing. So it's call. nice to have those summer tomatoes and then at a winter if you got a bunch of them canned up or whatever.
0: Might as well, right? They're yeah, right there. Yeah, we've been
1: doing we've been doing all this rustic stuff.
0: <laughs> I like it. I'm a little bit jealous. That it's sounds, super fun. That sounds, no, it's yeah, it's cool. I like that. You know? All the more reason I need to get out of town. I want to get out of town one of these days, hopefully. Fingers crossed. We'll see. So, are
1: you in the city?
0: I'm in the burbs. Okay. Which is, you know, a little better than the, than being in the city as far as the stuff we're talking about goes. But I'd like to get out further.
1: Into the woods a little bit.
0: Yeah. Into the woods. It's... I mean, with all the fires, that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but that's just always where I've wanted to be, is kind of out in oh, the woods. Totally. I want to go as far as I can and still have good internet. That's what I want to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what, what brought us out here, was just the fires keep keep getting worse, and uh, my family's out here. And so we just wanted to be in the woods, and same thing. It's like the fires kind of were freaking us out, and then the opportunity came up to come out this way, and I said, you know what? Let's just, let's try it out. I'm a city girl, but let's try this out. <laughs> and it's been wonderful. It's been really nice being out in nature, not having to listen to just like the constant din of the city with your window open, you know?
0: Yeah, we have went to New York a few times. And while I really enjoy visiting that city, I I we always leave and we're like, I, there's no way I could live there. There just isn't. I would go insane. I'm not tough enough to live there. It's, it's too much, too much. I don't for know me. if
1: you, I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed this now when we go to the city, cause we're like an hour and a half North of the city, we go in, um, occasionally and we, you know, we just noticed that it's exhausting to spend a day in the city when you're not used to that pace. Um, yes. you know, we'll go in for a few hours and just come home and like pass out all of us. Cause it's like, wow, I can't believe I did that every day for this many years, you know.
0: It's I've a, never lived quite right pace. in the city. I've, I've always been a suburbs dude, suburbs slash country, depending on if I was at my grandparents or not. And so, yeah, I, I could see... Uh, Portland's a little different. Portland's a little bit lower speed than most major cities, so it's not quite as grinding. Uh, but... Yeah, most major cities, like even going up to Seattle, which is in, you know, a similar part of the, the country, it is seems busier and faster paced than Portland and the burbs where I live. So I don't know what it is about yeah. Portland, but they're a little slower.
1: Seattle feels more industrial to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Would you say that? I feel like Portland's kinda more Portland sort of reminds me of Berkeley in a way in, in a lot of ways. We thought about moving there. Um we've been thinking about moving for two years and trying to find, like I said, like a woodsier kind of place. And to us, Portland's woodsier than Oakland, you know? Oh, for sure. um, (laughs) Definitely. A a very dear friend of mine lives up there and he's like, yeah, come on up, you know, hang out and showed us around and we really loved it. But we were just like thinking, we kind of want a little more woods. Yeah. And so, you know, we checked out a lot of spots in NorCal but it's just really expensive. There's not a lot of grocery stores, which we like to eat well like you and need good food around and it's like pretty desolate in the area that, you know, we wanted to go look in. But out here in the Hudson Valley, it's like a it's like a food paradise over here. We literally just go to farms and pick stuff up. It's amazing. Oh,
0: so good. That's the way you're supposed to do it. You know, I, yeah, I think
1: it's, and you know what too, it's cheaper. I was shocked. Yeah. I was like, Oh, cause in, you know, in Berkeley or in Oakland, if we go to the Sunday farmer's market, if you want a chicken, you better have $40 because that chicken's going to be $40 if you want mm-hmm. that free, free range pastured. So, you know, we get them out here. It's like 20 bucks. I said, Oh my gosh, it's, it's like half price. Right. <laughs> So we're that's I think a lot of people don't realize like you can get the like nice stuff, just go straight to the farm and you just don't, you know, get taxed by retail.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's our move usually is to get like we get like a half or a third cow from a local farm yeah. every year.
1: Yeah, that's what we did like two months ago.
0: It's way better tasting. First of all, it's way better oh, yeah. for you. And it's cheaper. It's win, there's wins. It's all wins. There's no lose. It's all better. <laughs> it's
1: and they the way they give you like a they give you a nice variety. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really it's good. Stuff that I wouldn't have, like I wouldn't have bought pork breakfast sausage, but it turned out to be like the best meat in that freezer.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was amazing. I love that we're talking about food so much. This is great. Oh do geez, want- I just realized what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't even got into the last classic question, so before we do that, here's your opportunity to put up a billboard. You can say whatever you want to say. If you, you know, got a message you want to get in a, in front of a few thousand people, now is a good time to do it.
1: Adopt, don't shop.
0: All Adopt right.
1: senior animals. <laughs> There's a million of them on Instagram. They're all doing good work, and I'm super passionate about that. You know, give a wonderful senior um, that last home of their dreams. You know, and uh, I've been doing it for a lot of years now, and I can't tell you how rewarding it is. You know, and you and they're potty trained, senior right. senior animals. <laughs> the, until they're in diapers, you're golden.
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> you know, all babies start out in diapers, and all you know, humans end up in them. Um, hopefully, not us, but these guys usually do the elderly ones. But it's just such a, an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough.
0: That's perfect. I love it. This—that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. Sometimes it ends up being a plug, which is totally fine and acceptable. Uh, but I like it when people have a little bit of a different message to share. So that was really nice. Thank you for that.
1: Thanks for letting me say it.
0: Of course. Of course. Okay, here we go. Classic questions. So first one being, what is your favorite boss pedal?
1: Favorite boss pedal. Let's see. It's like different every week, but I use a boss pH two for like 25 years on my board with boss phaser. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to get one of the PH1, you know, uh, I, uh, but I haven't come across one that's not like a ridiculous amount of money. Um, but that that's the most useful boss pedal to me.
0: PH2, pH solid pick. That works. All right, last one. Here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Uh,
1: it's a tough one. Being from Jersey, I gotta say squares, but you want a specific flavor, right? A plain square, I would say.
0: A plain square from Jersey. Yeah. You got a favorite? It's kind of like
1: so. A square is like not as thick as Sicilian pizza. It's not a deep dish, but it's you know maybe half an inch tall. Okay. And it's delicious, and it's something I usually only see like here in the tri-state area.
0: Do you have a favorite spot that you'd like to plug from? Oh Jersey?
1: yeah, Mister Bruno's in Lindhurst, New Jersey, is the absolute best pizza I've had anywhere on earth.
0: Oh man, all right, I like that. See, it said with conviction as well. Well, I mean, you've it's been also just—it's
1: so fun to visit because they haven't changed the decor since the seventies. So it's just like this total like rock and roll pizzeria. <laughs> I, I love like that. it. Yeah, yeah, me too. And the food's always always good. So. Perfect. Here's my plug, Mr. Brunos.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a really fun chat. I could do this all day. You're a conversationalist. Thank wonderful you so much for me. This is
1: great. Yeah, you've been super nice. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. For Aisha, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All righty, folks. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And if you didn't, well, I don't know what to say. Why'd you listen for so long? That's ridiculous. You should have switched it off went to something else if you weren't enjoying it. What's wrong with you? Glutton for punishment. Anyway, if you did enjoy it as much as I did, there's more. You can go to patreon.com slash tonemob, and yeah, there's more of this talk. It's great. In fact, there are, I don't even know how many hours of extra content over there on Patreon. All you have to do is go there, you sign up. For five bucks a month, you get a ton of more content a lot in fact one extra episode a week's worth of content it's a lot so please slide over there i hope you enjoyed this please share it with a friend if it's not in the cards right now for you to go to patreon i get it things are weird for everyone it's a weird time but what you can do is share this with your guitar playing friends or your people who would just enjoy this it doesn't even have to be guitar players every download matters and i'm telling you It's a huge thing. So please send this to your friends. Keep those downloads coming. That's what keeps the show going. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company. And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com slash stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tone mob.com And that will take you right to their website and you can do all your shopping through there and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at gun street wiring shop. Yes. Gun street wiring shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what?